welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with David DeLay at Il Bacaro in the city. David and I have honestly been trying for weeks to sit down together for a chat, and all sorts of lockdowns and other things got in the way. But it was absolutely worth the wait to sit down with David and talk about his love of food and cooking, which stems back to when he was four years old, actually, and to find out more about Venetian food and how to choose the best white truffle. David showed me an eerie video he took on Saturday night just outside the door of Il Bacaro on Little Collins Street in the city. It was our snap lockdown 3.0, and to see no one on the streets of central Melbourne on a balmy evening on Valentine's weekend was another bleak reminder of all our hospitality heroes have been through. I'm so happy they're back on the pans and cooking up a storm and that we get to reap the benefits. And I know that you'll love this conversation with David. Hi, David. Lovely to finally Likewise. meet you. It's been you a long time like a coming. Drink or a I've got some water. It's lovely. No, Thank you. Coffee or anything? No, I, well, I think I'm all right. Thank yeah. you. Very nice to be here. No, I'm bad. No, it is. Nice. Nice. It's um, room, that's for sure. And there's nothing nicer for me than seeing staff meals. I think it's so important. And I know, um, I know lots of places do do it, but I know lots of places don't. And I think it's such a lovely institution to have staff eat yeah. together. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. We boys. Yeah. So it's so important. Like it's just that one. Yeah, it's one time a day we all just sit together and just eat. <laughs> it's true. We've always always made a really important part of that day. Well, I think too. Um, it just seems mean to make stuff run around and give food to other yeah. people when they haven't eaten together yeah, and, and right. they've had to grab something on the way or whatever. And I think it's. Part yeah. of hospitality, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> true, true. Um, so, David, I've been reading a bit about you, and there's um, and there's a lot of things that that come out quite consistently. So that the fact that you've always wanted to be a chef, and that um, yeah. from working with your mum from the age of four, <laughs> can yeah. you tell me a bit about that? That sort of birth of loving being around food. Yeah, I mean, just being brought up in in, in, in Italian culture. You know, we've always. When we were kids, like, you know, my brother and my sister always brought up around food. You know, like, mum's always cooking at home. Mum's always making, like, you know, this time he was making sauce. She did it last weekend. Like, I'm like, mum, you're not allowed. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's not. She goes, you already bought the tomatoes. She was making it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's always making the, the pasta sauce. And we until we did the salami. It's just like the, the Italian traditions. We always do it. Always do it. So I was always brought up around it. And I think my brother and my sister weren't really interested, so she started not really backing off on it, but started just losing a bit of the tradition things. But then she knew I really loved it, and then she just she's like, "Oh, cool!" So she just kept on doing it. So yeah. I think always has been around food, always. And how does it? Because then, because I think that is the same for a lot of people brought up in you know, Italian and Greek cultures. Those cultures are very food, and everyone's around the table. Yeah. And as you say, these traditions of making passata and then um, sausage and all those kinds of things. How does that then? What was the next step for you to actually make it a living? When did that happen? My brother did his apprenticeship when I was in high school. I had to do work experience, and um, I, I then I knew I wanted to be chef, so I wanted to just try get in somewhere, whether it be a restaurant or at the time he worked for. Excuse me. The time he worked for Qantas Catering, so he took me over there to do my work experience, and I was in year ten, or year nine. I can't remember when it was. And um, just learned to, well, got to see a bit more how it was professionally rather than 
how he's, you know, to, at home. Yeah. So it was very different. And, but no, I think I, I really, from then I just enjoyed it and I knew I still wanted to be. And what do you think it was about there? Is it the, um, is it the pace or the buzz? Is it just the actual food? What? Didn't really experience the buzzes then. I think it was mainly the food. I think you get the buzz as you, as you into, the, into it, as you go into it. That, that develops for sure. Yeah. And so you've been a chef for, dare I say, over 20 years. No, no. No, it, it's, I think I've hit 20, 21 years. 21, 21 years. years now. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's a long time. I know. It? <laughs> it's like the show of my age. <laughs> wow. But, um, and you're an executive chef. So for yeah. those listeners or readers who um, might not be quite sure, well, probably if you're listening to this podcast, they are sure what an executive chef is. But sometimes an executive chef um, is just overseeing things but isn't on the pans. Are you still hands-on? Or I'm still more hands-on in here. I'm struggling with staff between all the venues at the moment. So it's still a bit of a, very much a hands-on role. Um, yeah, it's still... A lot of times overseeing it and doing a lot more administration and things like that, but now still very hands-on. Like, I don't think I could ever be fully not hands-on. I think it's just not me. Like, some defeats the purpose of doing what you love in the first place, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And how many venues do you oversee? I see between Il Bacro, Bar Carolina, and Teddo. Yeah. And, um, and so it's been a bit of a revamp in Ibakaro, and so um, and it's from going a bit more generalised, um, it's gone back to its roots of being more Venetian. Is that yeah, right? it's trying to go a bit more the Venetian, um, steering to the more classic Italian, more Venetian sort of style. It's still incorporating a lot of modern techniques. Yeah, right. And so Venetian, that sort of means a lot of seafood. Or? Um, a bit more seafood orientated. Venetian cuisine is really it's hard to explain. Venetian cuisine, they sort of got their own little. Yeah, traditionally, Venetian cuisine is all the little tapas, dolce, and things like that. But cuisine in general is a bit, I don't know, like, generally speaking, when you speak to a lot of Italians, they don't rate it at all. <laughs> they think Venetian is the worst. But they sort of just take a lot of things from a bit of everywhere, really. Yeah. So it's probably like, you know, modern Australian. <laughs> well, to a degree, a fusion, yeah. It's probably a fusion <laughs> of all the best of Italian. Yeah, nice. Um, and so, could, what are some examples of dishes you've got on this menu at the moment? The crudo di mare is our like, sort of share plate that, um, like a little uh, a seafood share plate, like a raw seafood share plate that we've got. Um, that's on there. Our risotto with zucchini, uh, zucchini flour pesto, cheddar foam, and silver leaf is one of our our new go-to dishes at the moment, which is, is really good. And the probably the more, oh, more of the item is a rabbit capolacci, which I think she's rolling now. We might have that look. It's a lemon curd capolacci with oh, rabbit wow. ragu. Wow. And sea blight. Oh, wow. So yeah, she's getting that ready now. That's cool. So yeah, they're the new additions on our menu that we've sort of started and, and going from there. Yeah. Okay. And, and and where do you get your inspiration after twenty one years? Of, is it? These young kids, yeah. these, these young ones that come in, my head chef, my sous chef, they're a bit younger than me, oh, a lot younger than me. <laughs> you just see the things that they come up with in creative, like 10 years ago I was like them, you know what I mean? And then there's like, it's like a new generation that comes in, you just see these young kids that, that just try different things and just learn different techniques and see different techniques through you know, social media, Instagram, all that sort of thing, a bit more, I think there's a bit more access so they can see a lot of things and just really eager to try. I'm only just thinking this question through as I speak, but um, do you think maybe um, the younger generation are more, I mean, we, we were all a younger generation once, but do you think they're more willing to break rules and be experimental? Oh, 100%. I, I think, like, like I was saying, I think 10 years ago I was like in that frame, you know, like 
just like looking over my old previous head chefs and older chefs and things like that, like just doing things a bit different to what they were doing and what was modern back then is just this is different yeah. now. It's, it's either completely normal or just like, yeah. But I wonder then as we get older if we kind of hark back to, um, you know, the authenticity or the, the things that we grew up with a bit more and, and, yeah. want, and want the sort of more. I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this, but maybe one that happens as well, or we 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 go back to the traditional ways of doing things. Yeah. We still believe they're really great, and right. absolutely, there's a place for innovation and experimenting. Yeah. And maybe the two can sit together. As I think yeah, classics always be classics. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a lot of the now a lot of people still interpret still work, but taking a classic as a basis to their version. Yeah. Vision on it. But I think, like, regards to the classic flavours and combinations will, will always be the, the, the root of anything, no matter what. Yeah. And I was reading, too, that you um, you like to go back to Italy as often as possible. If I can, yeah. <laughs> Mine was a bit tricky. But, um, and when you go, do you have specific places you're going to, you want to go to, or is it specific foods, or, like, what, what just what's your itinerary when you... I don't really have one. <laughs> we just sort of just wing it. The last couple of times I went, we, we winged it. And I remember with the old partner here, we went to get truffles, and usually it's the time we go. Like, Alba's always on there in the last stop. Get the truffles and we come back, but we sort of just wing it. Mm. Like, let's just go here, let's go here, let's go here. Yeah. That's it. It's the same, um, being a French teacher, I always tend to try and get to France, and, um, and I lived in the south of France for a year, and I think it's that kind of thing, just the markets, and just how amazing it is to see just ordin- what ordinary people do with their produce yeah. um, and that was something I was going to ask you as well is you're doing Venetian food but with Victorian produce you're quite trying big to, on yeah. trying to stay as local as we possibly can and is that yeah. can you do that for that style of food most of it yes uh, the majority of it yeah like obviously the fresh things like seafood and stuff is, is yeah Victoria's got so much great things that we've got access to um, but no most of it we can it's been pretty surprising how much we can actually it's yeah. been good that's good because I think, yeah, I mean Victoria certainly at the moment as much as we can help out the the farmers and the suppliers. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's I think it was a, yeah, it was a real life. Last year was a real life, and I was just seeing how how much everyone in the country just struggled. You know what I mean? So it's like they just support each other as much as we can while we can. Mm. So. And going back to your truffles, because you know that I read that you you hand pick them. What what do you what do you look for in a good a white truffle? White truffle, yeah. yeah. What do you look for in a good white truffle? First thing, you just, you feel it, you, you, you see visually, you, you, you catch, it catches your eye, you know it, then you feel it, the smell, the aroma, it just, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain, but you just, you know, you know when it's a good one. Yeah. In, in, a, in a lot of so many, you really know it's a good one, definitely. Um... And are you looking at them in like a market or have you been out on a truffle hunt or? I attempted to go on the truffle hunt once. I was nowhere near quick enough to keep up with the dog. <laughs> the guys laughed at me and uh, I just gave up. <laughs> but they're really, um, really secretive actually where they actually take, take you to get the truffles. I think he knew. He saw the size means uh, he ain't going to keep up with the dogs, yeah. and then that was it. <laughs> it's quite nice to have some kind of mystery around it. And yeah, but it was, it was interesting. Not that I saw anything, but like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> this is how it does happen. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they had they had a few of the markets in Albury and things like that, but mainly with a guy that um, all he does is truffle, and he's got his shop just based on truffle products, and everything in there is truffle. It's fantastic. And downstairs, he's got his little 
sort of fresh truffle organising area where he cleans them, sanit- gets, gets them all, um, all cleaned, san- sanitised for export and everything. So his whole room, just his room is full of truffles. Crazy, wow. absolutely crazy. And you're saying now is so normally the time of year you'd be doing that? Usually around October is oh. the season, October, okay. November. Okay. Um, so we obviously missed out last year. We missed out the last couple of years, actually. Right, yeah. yeah. So what do you do in that case? You just um, import them? We've got to, yeah, we'll import them. We obviously, last year we were closed, so we didn't bother. Yeah. There was, there was no one to... No one to sell truffles no, to, unfortunately. True. True, yeah. But you, we've got a good relationship with him. You can jump on the phone or jump on the email, order him, and he, he knows. He knows what we're after. And he, he never skips a bit on quality. Yeah. And apart from truffles then, because I was um, in one article you were um, extolling the, the virtues of, a, of some vinegars, and then another one you were cooking with um, stinging nettle, and that was your favourite ingredient. Tonight. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. I imagine that your favourite ingredient changes according to what you it come does. across. So yeah. What, what is it at the moment? At the moment? Well, good question. I'm actually loving more proteins now, more meats, I think. And I can't, I can't really specify what. I know it sounds a bit weird, but I'm loving cooking with charcoal and, and those sort of flavours. I think that's probably... I can't say charcoal's an ingredient. <laughs> but cook, cooking with charcoal's yeah. been pretty, uh, yeah, pretty enjoyable lately. Yeah, so have you, got a, have you got a charcoal... Um, We've got an all char grill here. We've got the Josper at, oh, at Carolina. Oh, so that's I think that was yeah. probably the the one that made me go, yeah, wow, this thing's great. Right. I was just talking to um, just to do a name, but I was just talking to Ben Shuri the other day out of Attica summer camp, and he's got several char grills going. Yeah. And he was saying just the learning curve it takes to learn what to do with cooking over coals. And yeah, yeah. You've got to learn. You've got to learn about fire as well, don't you? Yeah. The temperature and a different way of, of doing things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Amazing and get, getting lots of burns. Yeah, no, it's true. You don't have many, um, many hairs on my arm anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, and David, maybe just to finish, what would be your advice for someone who is wanting to get into um, chefing now? Um, I always say to everyone, you've got to love it. Uh, come, yeah, in, in, in any field, I guess, not just chefing, but I think it's a bit more important than chefing. You've got to love it. I think it's really, really noticeable if you don't love what you do cooking and you won't go that far so I think if you love it and enjoy it give it a go and you'll go far and just just stick to it yeah perfect thank you no worries you've been listening to conversation with a chef I'm Jo Ritty and thank you so much for joining me today If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.